0: but we can also be controversial. Stay tuned for the next 25 minutes as we're called by the divine trumpet to summon the troops for the honor and glory of her king. Here's our host, Pastor Mike Abendroth. Welcome to No
1: Compromise Radio Ministry. Mike Abendroth, Steve Cooley, reporting for duty. Aye, aye, Captain. Steve, you recorded a couple shows when I was gone. I did. I've yet to listen to them. Shame on you. Probably other people have, but tell me about your friend that you interviewed.
2: Roshad Hendricks. Uh, Roshad is somebody... I I don't even know how we first met up. Maybe, you know, might be one of those things because, you know, because no compromise radio listeners sometimes would identify me like by my voice or whatever because they've heard me or they know who I am because of the show. You know, I've, I've become semi-infamous in some places. So... Um, I ran into him a couple times. We became friends on Facebook, and now I see him, uh, you know, occasionally at uh, like a Summit G3, Summit Shepherds Conference. Uh, I, I, I like seeing him. He's a, he's a great guy. Uh, and boy, his Facebook feed. If, if you're not friends with Rashad, he goes, I think it's uh, Rashad and Denisha because that's his wife and uh, that's their account. And uh, he's always posting, well, he posts some silly stuff, but he posts, you know, some really deep uh, theology and especially on the Trinity. Sometimes I'll just steal what he posts. And I mean, I steal from Steve Meister, you know, and Rich Barcelos too, but but Roshad's excellent to steal from. So I, I thought here would be a great guy to have on the radio show just to show people because he's not a full time ministry, he's not in seminary, he's not an elder anywhere, although I I don't exactly know why that is. But you talk to him and you're just like, this guy knows a lot. You know, I, I mean it's like, I need to study because I need to know more than that guy. If he's in my congregation, I need to I need to stay ahead of him, right? And that's gonna take some work. Um, super, super sharp
1: guy. At least we've got one week to, to get a little farther ahead than the regular folks because they're paying bills by being a plumber yes. or whatever. Yes. That's one good thing about being a pastor is that, well, we want the congregation to study. People in the congregation can be more godly and often are. They can uh, be smarter and often are, but at least we could just study all week to pour ourselves into that passage and teach them something.
2: Yeah. and And, you know, sometimes... I I don't want to really just go off on this tangent, but sometimes people ask me questions. Why did you say this? Or why did you say that? Or why didn't you do this? And and I already, you know, I've already thought for the nine times out of 10, I've thought through those questions because I'm asking myself that all week long. Do I want to do this? Do I not want to do that? And, you know, because... I don't want to do a data dump. And because I know I've got to construct something along the lines of a sermon that's going to be about 45 minutes, give or take, some things are not going to make the cut. And so I'll just look at the, look at them and, you know, that, that was on the editing room floor or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of one of the uh, advantages of study. A lot of times we, I mean, if we're not learning more than what we're saying, then we're
1: really cheating ourselves. Amen. Just two quick housekeeping notes. The book, Gospel Assurance, a 31-day guide to assurance, will be out probably at the end of August. You can order through Amazon. I put together about 20 or so different theologians from 400 years ago, and every chapter is about assurance. That means some chapters are about assurance, some are about Jesus, and I think it will help you. That should be out soon. And Israel will probably be filling up soon. So if you want to get in on Israel, you can write me, Mike, at nocompromiseradio.com. And that,
2: that Gospel Assurance book, if you've not read it, I, you may not have assurance. So.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the price just went from fourteen ninety nine to 114 <laughs> You can't have assurance without reading this book. <laughs> well, what happened, Steve, is I would teach about assurance uh, in, in the last f- few years. I've been thinking about it a lot. And I just wanted to give somebody a book to say, oh, after the conference, after the sermon, here, read this. Read one chapter. Read them 31 days in a row. I want you to think rightly about assurance. Did you think about calling it Blessed Assurance? <laughs> I, I didn't think about that, but it, I could have. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. I'm just asking.
1: Yeah. I think there's another book written Probably. called Gospel Assurance, but it has a different subtitle, and it has a different theological bent. But that's all I'll say on air. Ooh, that's a cliffhanger. Mm. So we've got some questions that have been given to me over the years. Here's one that we'd like to talk about today. Uh, Steve, here's the question. Some people teach that the gospel is their personal testimony. Uh, Is that true? And can you talk about how a personal testimony is a result of the gospel, but not the gospel itself? So they kind of almost give the answer that they want us to give. (laughs) It's funny because I just... I just saw something from R.C., you know,
2: your testimony is not the gospel. Uh, (laughs) Well, why is that? Because...
1: It, now, Steve, you mean to tell me you're not the good news? No. I'm looking at you. No. You're here sitting here with shorts on and your special shoes and everything. You're not the good news. My
2: my my testimony should
1: contain and
2: this is what I tell people when they give their testimony, right? I, I mean if they if they never talk about themselves in their testimony before they get baptized, well that would be really odd, right? We're not asking for a sermon. But your testimony, if it doesn't contain the gospel, then I don't really think it's a testimony. It's a, to quote somebody I know, testiphony, <laughs> right, because because it doesn't really tell us uh, how how you came to know Christ and how he came to impact your life. And um, But yeah, your, your testimony, and people like to do that, you know, so, well, since I've become a Christian, thus and such has happened in my life. Okay, well, you just got, you just skipped over the whole heart of, well, you skipped the gospel. Um, so telling people the, the after effects of your life, uh, after the gospel is, is fine, but if you don't give them the gospel, then how are they going to get saved? And they really need to hear about Jesus Christ, about his life and death and resurrection and not about your drug problem and not Steve, about... Steve,
1: Steve, Steve, you can't argue with a changed
2: life. Well, actually you can because plenty of people have changed lives and are not Christians at all, right? I mean, some people, you know, here's a, this is kind of a trite example, but my dad, you know, uh, I saw him, I mean, he's he's uh, been dead 10 years now, but one time I saw him and uh, he'd quit smoking cigarettes. And and this was after, you know, like 40 years of smoking, sometimes three packs a day. I'm like, Dad, how did you do it? Well, I, I, just, I just quit. I, I just quit. quit, yeah. You know, just crumpled up and threw them away and I was like, hmm. So people do things like that. People, I mean, they can even heroin. I've known people. How'd you quit heroin? I just decided I was done. Well, you're not supposed to be able to do that. Well I did. Okay. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that God changed their lives. They, you know,
1: sometimes people do things on their own, just by willpower. Steve, don't you think people are confusing conversion, that is what's happened to me and my affections and appetites, new creation in Christ, they confuse that with actually what Jesus did. I mean, we're, we're receiving the benefits of what Jesus did, but if somebody wants to preach the gospel, the gospel's the same whether we're alive or dead. Right. The gospel's the same whether we're regenerate or unregenerate. I got asked a question at a conference not that long ago, is the gospel different for believers and unbelievers? And I said, well, it's news about Jesus, and so it's the same. Uh, it's a proclamation of who Jesus is. And that's why when people talk this way, well, the only gospel some people will ever read, they won't read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but they'll read your life. And I'm thinking the gospel according to Mike. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Just look at my life, do the opposite. It's <clears throat> yeah. the anti-gospel.
2: Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're if you looking to, to me for good news, it's gonna be sad times for you, bro. Um, yeah, it's it's we 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 talked about it before. We haven't used exactly this terminology, but it's objective truth, right? It's out we, you said this last time, it's outside of us, mm, historical. yes. And so you know, there's an objective truth, and then there's the impact that it has. You could call that the subjective result, I guess you could say, or or whatever. it But what happens to Steve is not the gospel. Um it, it just isn't, it's the fruit of, you know, it. whatever fruit is in my life is a result of the gospel, a result of the outworking of the Holy Spirit and, and the, the Lord Jesus Christ in me. But it has nothing to do
1: with the objective truth of it. Is it fair, Steve, to want to tell your friends the great things that God has done for you? Oh,
2: yeah. I, I mean, listen, when... When I tell people and and I used to do this all the time, when I'm going into the jail, right, and guys are coming out and we're passing in the hallway, and they go, "Hey, how's it going, Cooley?" And I go, "You know, compared to what I deserve, great or you know, what, what whatever I'd say, and they'd look at me like, "What happened to you? you know, or are you in trouble again?" Um, <laughs> because once I understand who I actually am, you know, then, then I can tell people that. Um, but what it doesn't do, that doesn't save anybody. Uh, they they still need to hear the the truth about Jesus Christ. But what uh, the changes that he's made, the the book of Steve doesn't change.
1: Steve, I think it's easier to talk about what God has done in my life than talk about God. Mm. Uh, himself and what the son has done outside of my life. That is to say, well, if you're at a cocktail party or you're at a, at a you know, I don't know, a luau someplace or you're at Thanksgiving meal, you can say, oh yeah, I, I, this happened to me and that happened to me. And it's just, I think it's more accepted, right? Where people are just giving their own testimonies versus here's who God is and he came to die for sinners like you and you're a sinner. That's harder.
2: And, and how much more true is that, especially when if you have a spectacular you know, salvation story. You know, in, in other words, like you were, like, like my friend uh, Matthew, a heroin addict. You know, you were just, your whole life fell apart and everything like that. And, you know, people want to hear all that. I mean, unbeliever, believer, whatever. They want to hear, wow, you know, wow, your life was terrible. And now look at it, you know, great. Mm-hmm. You used to be a prostitute yeah. or terrorist. Yeah, I mean, I and, and that's another caution, you know, when I'm telling people... Uh, when I'm prepping them for baptism, you know, I I don't care if you rob banks and, you know, you did all the, and, you know, I mean, it, I think there's a tendency to want to make uh, the testimony as salacious as possible, you know, to throw in as many details as possible so that people will really be hanging on your every word. And I'm like, okay, that's just really the
1: wrong motivation, right? So true. There was a lady who came up to me after a Cleveland message, I think. I spoke with a few speakers and by the way, I was called a flock. It was the, the other speakers and myself were called a flock of Pharisees. I thought, flock of seagulls, flock of Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, see, I, I would have thought
2: it would be like more like a tribe or maybe a- Ooh, tribe language. A tribe of Pharisees or- a...
1: Well, I just thought flock of seagulls and that hair and everything, you know, yeah. it's kind of interesting. Uh, I ran so far away, Yeah. right? Anyway, she said- I have a question and she started to cry and I turned in such a way so she could turn her back to other people who were in the lobby and I was the only one to see her cry and we were standing there and she basically said I don't really have a dramatic testimony so I don't know if I'm saved and she had heard of all these people that had given dramatic testimonies and were thankful for the Pauline type testimonies where you're going to you know you're a killer and you're you know you're going to be killed for the gospel's sake but what about a 15-year-old homeschool girl that sh- her big sins are, are, are not unrighteousness, they're self-righteousness, thinking that they're good and they don't smoke and they don't do this and they don't do that and they don't do what the world does. And I said, I did the classic RC thing. I said, do you believe in Jesus? tell me who Jesus is. Oh, he was a real person, virgin born. He did miracles. He healed. He raised the dead. He raised himself from the dead. He's coming back. And I said, oh, that's a wonderful testimony. That's about who Jesus is. And now you believe him. And in light of believing him and him working in your heart, do, do you love him? Yes. Do, do you wish you loved him more? Yes. Do you serve him? Well, I'm trying. Do you wish you served him more? You know, and talk like that. And I said, you have a wonderful testimony because it's about the Lord Jesus. So every person listening, if you're a Christian, you have a great testimony. So focus on who Jesus is and your testimony will be great.
2: Yeah, amen. And, you know, I I think also there are people who have testimonies like that and are just like, you know, my testimony is not that spectacular. And whenever I hear that, I go... Good for you, right? Be- because really, well, God ult- has
1: protected you. Yeah, from ultimately, certain sins. that's what
2: they're saying. You know, in the providence of God, I haven't gone off a cliff, and I really wish I had. No, no, you shouldn't wish that. You know, I I'm, because those kind of those kind of things, you know, a lot of people don't come out of. So uh, praise the Lord that he he didn't uh, bring that about in your life. And you know, I, I'd rather have. Fewer regrets than more. I mean, the longer your list of sins are. I mean, I've known people who who became convinced, and obviously, this is a, a work of uh, both Satan and the and the hardening of their own heart. But who are so confident that they've sinned so much that they cannot be forgiven? You know, which is another point. People really need to understand the grace of God and the the love and the forgiveness of God. Uh, that there is no sin that they can commit that cannot be forgiven. And, and you know, people just feel like they, they no God, no holy God could possibly uh, pardon them.
1: Well, we're happy here on the radio show that Jesus came to seek and save those that were lost. Yeah. Remember that old bumper sticker? It was on the back of my mom's car. I found it. Mm-hmm. And it was this covert deal where you put a bumper sticker on your car or you had a pin that you'd pin to your... Lapel, and it said I found it. And then people were to say, "What'd you find?" And then I would always say, "Amway, <laughs> Tupperware." <laughs> it's a great deal. <laughs> What's the cake one? What's the Pampered Chef? Oh yeah, there something like that. Yeah. Uh, magnets or something. Pyramid, I found it. Pyramid scheme. Yeah. No, I found no. I I I found Jesus. He's changed my life, and we're happy for changed lives. But the, the, there's a seeker, and there's a one found. I have decided to follow Jesus, which brings me to question two today. To what degree do you think revivalistic language has it's, it's found its way Steve, into to what degree has revivalistic language found its way into the response that unbelievers should have when they hear the gospel? Say the sinner's prayer, decide for Jesus, fully surrender, make Jesus Lord, come up front, anxious bench. What do you think about all that kind of language? I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> then you better press in more, dear unbeliever. You press into Jesus. Yeah, that's a new one for me. Press in, press in. Yeah, full court press in. I, I mean, that kind of language
2: ultimately leads to if if that's the kind of language that under which you're converted, presumably, uh, I think it turns you into a, a works based
1: person, it's not sola fide anymore. No, yeah. Well, maybe it's, it's this I have in my notes, Steve, SMART, or as we say here in New England. SMART. SMART. SMARTy pants. Remember SMART. that old acronym? SMART when it comes to setting goals, management by objectives. Specific is the S. M, measurable. A, achievable. R, relevant. And T, timely. Can't we, with revivalistic languages and people coming up or language, people coming up and moving forward and all that, we can measure it at least. Oh yeah. Oh, you can definitely measure. what it. What is it in our hearts that says we need to somehow quantify growth? so we can see that we're doing the right thing? Is that it? Versus all the language in the Bible that talks about seeds and growing and slowly and agricultural and farmers have to be patient. Well, God gives I, the growth.
2: Yeah, I don't think we really want to trust God, right? We want to... You know, who are you going to believe, God or your lying eyes? And and we'd rather believe our lying eyes. I, I mean, who was it? The the founder of Campus Crusade? Uh, Bill Bright. Bill Bright, who, who you know... I, I read a story about him in Time Magazine. I believe it was after he died, and he claimed that one billion people had come to Christ during his ministry. Not, you know, and I'm not stuttering there. One billion, and and you just go, okay. I so I think there's some truth to that that we want to we want to see the results and all this, but I think there's also just an arrogance that attends with it, right? Rather than giving all the glory to God and the results, whatever they may be, whether it's one person or a billion, right? We we want to somehow be able to measure it and feel good about ourselves, and and I don't know why,
1: right? You look at Jesus' ministry. I mean, were billions following him? No, right? No. And in you fact, think he about, chased them away, right? Right, because he knew it was in the heart of the heart of man. John two, it talked about many believed in him, but he didn't believe in them. And and John
2: six, you know, he gives he he just gives them these words, and it's like they all left, and he turns to the, the the remainder, you know, the tight. Group the disciples, and you guys are going to leave too? And Peter says, "Well, who else will we go to? Who else has the words of life?" Um, but yeah, d- Jesus did not know how to manage a megachurch, right? <laughs> 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 well, and and by the way, you don't need to write. I'm not saying that. That that was just a, a joke. Obviously,
1: the just shall live by faith is found in the Bible a lot. Uh, Habakkuk two. Hebrews, Galatians, Romans, Romans. Yeah. aren't we supposed to be walking by faith in, of course, it's shorthand for walking by faith in the risen son of God who loved me and gave his life for me, et cetera, et cetera, sent by the father. But but aren't we supposed to walk by faith even in pastoral ministry? We're to be faithful and discharge the duties outlined in the pastoral epistles And then we have to walk by faith that the Lord is convicting, the Lord is applying, the Lord is regenerating, the Lord is taking home. All these things, should not that be the pastoral charge, live by faith? Couldn't we just say this, you know, that he's building his church? I I think that's found maybe in some of the ancient manuscripts. Some of the Byzantine ones, maybe. In the red letters, maybe. See, maybe the other thing we could talk about as the show is coming to a close a uh, preparationism that is to say okay when i got saved it was like john bunyan maybe here's an illustration for 18 months of uh, conviction of sin staying up at night agonizing over my sin against the thrice holy god and then since that was my model 18 months it should be other people's models when in fact other people can be convicted about sin for 10 minutes and then believe in the lord jesus christ
2: yeah, I mean, I, there, there's there's a sense again where we're helping, you know, the Lord. We're uh, uh, we we want the assist, and 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 you know, I even think of some methodologies where you can't uh, you can't skip to Jesus. You have to lay the groundwork. You know, you have to convince. You have to set the stage for Jesus, and and I just think I, I remember listening to one presentation once, and I'm just like, well what happens if you know in week 17 of this oh, 40, I see where you're going yeah of this 40 week program or however long it is you know somebody's like well seems like there needs to be a messiah you know we wh- can't talk about that till can't, later can't can't spoil the surprise <laughs> you know got to do got to save it for the reveal well what if they die <sighs> well i believe that they'll be covered uh, okay well based on what do we live in the Old Testament or the New Testament? You know, Old Covenant or New Covenants. People need to hear about Jesus Christ,
1: and not not a week seventeen, not a week forty. The the only preparation, I think you'd agree with me, Steve, for the gospel is preaching the law so that they know their sin and misery. It's nothing else that they have to do and they have to, and that's why even we talk about sola fide and not sola metanoia, sola repentance, because even repentance is the fruit of that faith. And we're we're telling people, uh, you've seen your sin because of the law. Now we tell you about the good news and your response is to believe and to trust. Give the bad
2: news. Then the good news, you know. Here's the bad news: you're a sinner, and you stand condemned. You're estranged from God, and there's nothing you can do on your own to get back with Him. And and you know, if you put that in stark enough terms, it sounds really, really
1: bad, which it should. Mm-hmm. Considering that when you die, you're you're going even, to uh-huh.
2: yeah, if you remain in that state, you're going to hell, eternal punishment. So, I mean, when you present the the bad news like that, well, then when you come in with the good news. I think it sounds pretty good. Wait a minute. You mean that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, to come to earth and, you know, live, take on humanity and live that perfect life that we're supposed to and don't and then die a substitutionary death? Then be raised on the third day? That's the good news. We, we, need, we, we believe in
1: that. So. Because what's the other option? Uh, to get into heaven, watch Jesus's life, and imitate him perfectly. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> He's <laughs> he's he's your more than example. He's going to tell you exactly, he, you know, he'll show you exactly what to do. If you can live that life perfectly, you get to go in.
2: So, wait a minute. You mean honor my mother and father perfectly? Okay, well, mm, I failed uh, at that one.
1: Love your enemies. Yeah, well, I failed at that one. Pray all at the right times. Do you have any good news for me? <laughs> <laughs> That's why Jesus is not just an example, although he is First Peter 2. He's our substitutionary risen king. So today on No Compromise Radio, we did a couple questions today. Yeah. That was good, Steve. Woo. Good job. If you want to hear Steve's preaching uh, this last summer in Acts chapters 2, 3, and 4, you can go to bbcchurch.org, and you can listen to his interviews with Rashad at nocompromiseradio.com. Yeah. Anything else?
2: No, just uh, have a great day and believe on the Lord.
0: 3-400.